This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 544 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason. Join with me today is Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? So did we kick Paul off the show because you beat him in head-to-head and Tout Wars Daily last week? Well, it took me about two or three months to Wally Pip Eno. <laughs> <laughs> and only about four months to Wally Pip Paul. So... I'm uh, I'm slowly uh, taking over the podcast, uh, and we'll, we'll completely dominate at some point. In all seriousness, Paul had a scheduling conflict uh, tonight, uh, tonight being Saturday. Tomorrow, I have a scheduling conflict. As long as the uh, Mother Nature holds off and doesn't wash out the Rays-Red Sox game, I'm holding, I'm holding two tickets to a suite in Fenway tomorrow, and if it rains out, uh, and takes away the pleasure of the Rays trying to go to sweep Boston in Fenway, I'm going to be some kind of pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that They would... just beat him 12-6 tonight. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the Rays are on a roll. How many games aren't they on, like, a really big win streak right now? Eight in a row. Yeah, there Eight you go. Eight in a row. Uh, and then uh, next week we won't be able to record, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to be in Hawaii uh, so I'll try to figure out a time to get with Paul either before or after I get back so people don't miss too many episodes. But if the next week and a half or so there are a few fewer episodes than maybe you're used to, that is the reason why I apologize. I'm getting a free trip to Hawaii. I couldn't say no. Was that the bet? For Was that the bet? It was the Avatar bet and paying for somebody's trip to Hawaii. Is that what it worked out between you and Paul? Exactly. So that And that's why okay. Paul's not on because he had to go get another job. So he could, uh, you know, pay for that trip to Hawaii. The Paul, the the uh, the Paul Gibson, the Kyle Gibson. Every time I look at that picture, it makes, I just keep laughing. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely tweet about it a whole bunch over this weekend because I'm I'm not gonna get a whole lot more play out of it. So. <laughs> but let's uh, let's jump right in. We're gonna talk about some uh, some notable transactions and uh, maybe some guys who are who are. Uh, Hot right now, and we need to talk about uh, Xander Bogarts coming back off the DL. Uh, you know, not a ton to talk about in terms of his overall value, except for where you think, in the grand scheme of things, he ranks among shortstops for you right now. 
extremely high. I, I was really high for on him coming into the season. I said he was going to be a top 30 player. Um, he's hitting like one. Uh, he's come right back off the disabled list and, and picked up right where he left off before he uh, had that chip in his ankle. And yet another guy that came back quicker than we thought he would be. And uh, he's looked great in this series. He was activated Friday. I think it was three for four yesterday. He was looking good again today uh, in the loss. And he's just going to be a beast this year. Yeah, he's uh, raised his launch angle, uh, hitting more fly balls right now. I think uh, I think what he's doing is fairly legitimate. Obviously, he's not going to hit 400 <laughs> the rest of the way, but uh, I think he could go back to being the player he was in 2016 where we got a 294 and 20 home runs, and I think that would be uh, pretty nice considering where people drafted him. Would you rather have him or Alex Bregman? Uh, I would rather have Bogarts. In fact, when I wrote up the, the bold prediction this year at Rotowire, I actually said he would be this year's Bregman. If you look at a lot of the numbers, uh, you look at the numbers last year, what Bregman was putting up, people were drafting Bregman as the player that we thought Bogarts was going to be last year. And because Bogarts had that terrible second half after getting hit on the hand, uh, you know, Bregman surged past him, but this year, instead of having to pay, the way I even worded it is like, you know, why go chase Bregman when you can get Bregman 50 picks later and get, go get Bogarts? And that's how, it's, that's how it's playing out for me so far. And I have Bogarts in three different leagues. I tried to trade for him any league. I didn't already roster him, and uh, it didn't work out. But he is, uh, I, I'm feeling really good about that bold prediction this year. Would you rather have Bogarts or D.D. Gregorius? Man, DD, that's AL MVP, man. That dude is just crushing it. Uh, the ballpark is the win for him. I mean, he's got a lot of guys on base. He's hitting the. He's already got nine, uh, ten home runs uh, now, nine or ten home runs, and it just everything looks really good for him this year. And the situation's just terrific. Um, I said it a week ago, a week and a half ago on the the, the on the Fan Tracks podcast with Andy Singleton and and Ralph Lipschitz. Uh, so that's my AL MVP pick. The way he's playing out of the gate. All right. Uh, let's talk about Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts uh, left today's game. I haven't checked to see if there's been an update. Uh, what do you think the Red Sox do if Mookie Betts ends up hitting the D- uh, the DL? Cry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they just got, they just got uh, Bogarts back on Friday. If he ends up having to hit the disabled list, a couple of guys left that game because uh, Wilson Ramos left with bilateral leg tightness. Uh, and he was going to be, I mean, he was going to be, uh, wasn't even going to play tomorrow. Anyhow, this is a shame because he's been hitting the ball really well. You hope it's just like a, one, a leg soreness thing because uh, the ball's really been flying off his bat this week, and you don't want to see that happen. Uh, Mookie Betts had right hamstring tightness right now, just precautionary. Uh, so I think both of those guys would be day-to-day. You hate when guys get hurt on Saturday because of it's day-to-day Sunday, and then they DL a Monday afternoon after your lineup's lock. That always sucks. Uh, if you know if he hits, I don't know really what. I guess that would give more playing time to uh, uh, Moreland. I guess they would have to try to figure out something to uh, get Moreland a little more playing time. But you would hope that Betts is not going to miss time. Yeah, you 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 definitely hope, especially because Moreland isn't nearly <laughs> the player. Um, I wonder what runs or Rosny Castillo is doing in the minor leagues. If he would <laughs> get paid a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, obviously he couldn't replace him, but uh, he was looking. He's actually uh, started off decently: three thirty-three, uh, three forty-six, four forty-nine, with three stolen bases in AAA. So I wonder if uh, 
if something were to ha- happen to Mookie, if uh, Rosny would get the call, especially now that uh, Brock Holt is injured. They don't have nearly the depth uh, that they once did uh, in Boston. So just something to keep an eye on. Uh, two other things to keep an eye on. Yasel Puig uh, got injured today in the Giants game. I was watching it. Slammed really hard in the wall. Still made the catch, but was in considerable pain. Uh, combine this with Matt Kemp having to leave yesterday's game with a hamstring injury, and the Dodgers all of a sudden are uh, a little bit thin in the outfield especially. Uh, and the rumor going around right now is that Alex Verdugo will get a call up. Uh, what are your thoughts on these two guys going down and then Alex Verdugo potentially being up? Dude, if he comes up, one of those guys may not get their jobs back. Are you really that big of a fan of Alex Verdugo? I mean, I like Verdugo, but I almost feel like his name value is worth more than he actually is in fantasy. Well, if he comes up and starts raking, uh, it's not like Puig was setting the world on fire, and we could end up in a situation where Puig's looking for playing time again, uh, and that's that's where it become unfortunate. But if he if Puig's got to miss some time, if he goes out, let's say he misses three weeks with this hip thing, or, or Kemp's going to miss the, that amount of time, and he could Vertigo comes up and hits, he could stick because I mean the, the Dodger lineup's not hitting as much as we thought it would, and they're looking for offense. If he comes up and immediately makes an impact, he could stay in there. Yeah, for me, Verdugo is one of those Melky Cabrera types. I think he has a, a little bit more real-life value than fantasy value, and I, I love Verdugo, but, uh, I mean, I don't think he is going to hit more than 20, you know, 22 home runs at any point in the major leagues unless he really beefs up, but he can play a good center field. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, obviously, with, with Chris Taylor, don't necessarily need him to play center field. Um, but he's you know good defensively. He's got some pop, but he's going to hit for average right now. Hitting uh, 276 in Triple A. Uh, that's a bit below what he did last year in 117 games, where he hit uh, three uh, 314, 389, 436 with six home runs and nine stolen bases. He, to me, he's not a guy that I would invest in outside of 15 team leagues. But if he's getting the call, I think in 15 team and obviously in NL only, you got to go ahead and swipe him. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some bigger performances. We got Blake Snell, uh, and you know, we can't talk to you, Jason, without doing a little bit of race corner. And don't we need we need a, like a little sound intro for that? <laughs> it's just something, a little a jingle, uh, race corner. But in all seriousness, I mean, we have to. There's no way we could do a show and not talk about Blake Snell the the, the way he's pitching of late. I mean, you look at over his last his last 16 starts. Nine and two, two seventy six ERA, sub one WHIP, nineteen percent strikeout minus walk ratio. League's hitting one ninety. Uh, he's pitching like the guy that we all clamored to be called up uh, back in the day. We're like, oh, please call him up. He's going to dominate. And then he sucked. And then he was good for a little bit. And then he really sucked. Then he goes down to the minors and comes back, and he's been a different pitcher. And what and what I've really enjoyed with him of late is, you know, he's not nibbling in the not nibbling from the strike zone, not falling behind and having to use his fastball. You know, he's get what I really appreciate is he's getting ahead early in the count. He's not doing it just fastballs. I saw some first pitch changeups on Friday night, uh, first pitch breaking balls. So what the, one of the things he's been doing is getting ahead with strikes and then throwing pseudo strikes yeah his his last night bogart said i haven't seen a curveball like that in a while uh said it was one of the best curveballs he had seen of late uh, and that's the thing with with snell with the breaking ball and the, and the slider he throws it so it looks like a strike 
And then by the time it finishes its journey, it's out of the zone. So that's why I'm calling it pseudo strike. And I tweeted an image earlier today showing how uh, Snell's, as his strikeout rate has gone up and his walk rate has gone down, his percentage of pitches he's throwing in the strike zone is down because he doesn't have to come in the strike zone. And that's really where that's that magical line for pitchers is how much if you, if you have to come in the strike zone, that's when the batter gets their advantage back. But if you can ex- put them on the defensive and throw those pseudo strikes uh, like Snell is right now, it's, it's really fun to watch. Um, and, and he did a, a great lesson last night. Cash left him in a little long, uh, gave him a boost of confidence to let him pitch through some of his troubles. I think he went seven and a third or seven and two thirds. And I was questioning and leaving him out there in the sixth and definitely or the seventh and definitely when they brought him back out in the eighth. Uh, but he got that first batter and then they took him out of the lineup to get into the matchup game. So um, if you I know a lot of people were really like, hey, this Snell's got this breakout year um, this year. So it's not like this should have snuck up on anybody, but he's pitching some damn fine baseball right now. I'm super impressed. Swing and strike rate is up. Uh, the command just seems better. Uh, he, his fastball velocity is actually up from last year, not something we can say about a ton of pitchers uh, in Major League Baseball right now, and really limiting the hard contact. That, to me, mm-hmm. is the big deal. Like if you know, he, he, He's not only just getting on top of guys, uh, but when guys do make contact, it's not very good contact. Uh, the his hard contact percentage is down over four and a half percent this year. Uh, exit velocity is down off of the bat. So, uh, and and the numbers are really right in line with what he's doing. And so it's hard not to be a believer. He's also not giving away free passes. Like you know, last year over four walks per nine. This year under three. Uh, I think you know obviously it's not going to be this good all season. Uh, he is a young guy. He's going to have you know blow ups as we saw from my boy Chris Stratton today. Um, oh, <laughs> but uh, hey, Chris Stratton may get Wally pipped by Pablo Sandoval. By the way, <laughs> I'm I'm so thankful that you sent that text. Like, oh my God, Pablo is pitching because I too did. And I kid you not, man, that dude is being wasted on on the in the field as a hitter because he is a legit middle reliever. <laughs> he might be the best bullpen arm. He, that was the first clean ninth <laughs> inning I've seen for the Giants in quite a while. So. It was great. It was a, the curveball looked good, and then he was hitting his spots so and he couldn't command his curveball. I mean, he threw like two of them that were really good as far as shape, but he was he missed a bunch of them. But then the fastball, he spotted his fastball worked quick. I mean, the Orioles have to be drooling just thinking, oh my god, can we trade for him and put him right now? He'd be like our three. Uh, <laughs> But I'm still I'm still a little sore about Chris Tillman throwing a shutout yesterday. I had I completely was stacked city against him, and he goes out and pulls the best game since 2012 out of his ass. Yeah, no, I, I was right there with you. <laughs> I'm all like, sweet, I can I can put Leonis Martin and Candelario yep. in. You and I had the same lineup just about. <laughs> <laughs> that way, I can I can spend on Degrom uh, and Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, that that. That, that didn't work out real well. Um, so thank God that's the end of that period of Tout Daily, uh, and we get to start fresh next week. So um, where do you think you would put – actually, let me give you some would-you-rathers on, uh, on, on Blake Snell. So let's do would-you-rather Blake Snell or John Gray. Uh, man, here's the thing. Before we get into any of these, I mean, for me, it comes down – if I. I, I typically hold to my preseason rankings for this, uh, for too. these kind of exercises, unless I see something that's that's that has uh, 
a demonstrable change in somebody. So to go into this one, one of the things when Snell got that demotion in late last summer, uh, it was to go down and work on his delivery. So you 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 hinted at it earlier where he's, he's throwing a little harder this year. He absolutely is across the board. Uh, and and the move down to the minors was to clean up his delivery. And so that's been that's been a piece of it. They moved him on the rubber so he wasn't so far out there against righties. And so they were really sitting on him. Uh, type of thing. I mean, he's been really good against lefties this year. But one of the things that's that's one of the things, and I'd rather have Snell here because Gray has just started to show it. I mean, I wrote about this last week in RotoWire, talking about how Gray was not throwing his changeup this year. It's almost like I think he's thrown two all year. And early on, until that Padres start, it's always great when you can face the Padres. Uh, but he was really getting hammered by lefties. And because he was just throwing all hard stuff, and he was throwing all hard stuff on the outer third of the plate. And when you start doing that as a pitcher and you don't have something that moves in another direction or, you don't, or you're not working both sides of the plate, batters are going to keep diving out and that pitch away now becomes a pitch down the middle and they were hitting them hard but then you know, i wrote that article it posted wednesday morning and then wednesday night john gray went out and threw a gym and he was throwing inside throwing his change up so it's thank you john gray for reading my article i appreciate it you know much love um but i i, I still this is one of those cases where you're seeing a dem a, a demonstrable change in what Snell's doing and how he's pitching. And I, not that this is a runaway decision, but I would give a slight edge to Snell right now um, over Gray. What about Garrett Richards? Uh, Garrett Richards is the guy I want. I know it's been a little bit of a stumble out of the gate, uh, but I still believe in the stuff and I still believe in his excellent infield defense uh, and his excellent run support, despite the fact the Rays are putting up eight to 12 runs a game of them. I mean, during this eight game winning streak, they've had like seven games where they've scored eight or more runs. And then the one that they just scored four and they still won. So it's, it's crazy. The run support that's flowing up right now, but let's be real. The rest of the season, the angels are going to score more runs in the race. Yeah, see, I'm going to go the other way, and I love Garrett Richards, but he can't go deep into games. like that, And that's a problem for me. He's you know he's going to lose out on wins. He's definitely, if you're in a quality starts format, you're, mm-hmm. you're not going to get quality starts from him. Like so, someone on Twitter asked me, you know, between like Garrett Richards and Pavetta, and I think there were a couple other guys, um, like who, who would I rather start uh, this week in a, in a quality starts head-to-head format? Um, and as much as I love the strikeout capabilities from Richards, I can't trust that he's going to go six to get me a quality start, and that's a problem for me. That's true. Snell's gone six in each of his last four starts, went five and two-thirds in the opener against Boston. Uh, only had that one stink bomb in, in New York where it was super cold um, and really just had no command of the baseball. Uh, but other than that, he, he's been able to go deep in the games. I think the most impressive thing for him, uh, you know, his last few starts, one walk. Yeah. One. <laughs> it's huge. I mean, for him not to be giving away free passes is a really, really big deal for him. Uh, let's see, one more. Um, would you rather do Snell or Trevor Bauer? Oh, that's tough. I, to me, it's a push. Okay. I think I'm still on the Trevor Bauer train, but I could go... I could be pushed towards Blake Snell. Because similar, honestly, because similar risk. Mm-hmm. You know, the similar risk. If the command goes, then they both then they both suffer. They could both get the strikeouts. But if the command goes, they go back to walking four and a half per nine. That's when it becomes problematic. I completely agree. All right, let's uh, let's move over to Miles Miklas, uh, another guy with some interesting uh, starts recently. What are your thoughts on Miklas so far? We finally kind of have a decent sample 
now with him being back in the majors. Uh, last start, seven, uh, seven innings, only mm-hmm. two earned runs, seven strikeouts. Uh, is this a guy who's going to be able to hold down a rotation spot all year? Yeah, what I love about this is people were excited when he first when that when that signing first happened. People wrote like, "Hey, why are the Cardinals doing this?" And there were all these great pieces. I think you know wrote one, a couple others that were like, "Hey, this is a good signing." And then he went out and stunk in spring training, and everybody ran away from him. So you were this was a guy if if you drafted in mid March, if you drafted in early March or February, you had to pay up a good price for him. Then you get into March and you. Didn't have to pay much for him. I paid $8 in the NL Keeper League to get this guy uh, in the last third of the draft. And then he, you know, he's come out pitching five starts, three wins, great great ratios. Hasn't walked anybody. Uh, it just, uh, his walk rate is uh, half half a walk. Uh, it's just a, a one and a half percent walk rate. And it's just that's been the great thing. He just fills up the strike zone early and then like Snell starts throwing those pseudo strikes, things that look like they're going to make it in the zone and just die on their way to the zone. Uh, and people aren't doing aren't aren't doing well. He's striking out 20 percent of the guys he's facing on that, getting a lot of ground balls. Uh, and I I think people that ignore spring training stats uh, are being rewarded for what he uh, for what uh, Mikolas has been able to do. Yeah, I do worry a bit about the home run, Paul. <laughs> he seems yeah. a little homer happy, uh, but you gotta love a guy who doesn't walk anybody. I mean, you know, the same thing we were just talking about with Snell. You know, keeping guys off the bases is a, a way to uh, definitely help yourself out. I love the fifty percent ground ball rate. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, he had the he had the he said five homers. Three of them came in his first start at Milwaukee. There are there are worse sins. We know what can happen there. But he's only allowed two home runs over his most recent four starts. Uh, Milwaukee, uh, uh, Milwaukee at home uh, in in St. Louis. Um, no homers there. Allowed a home run at Cincy. Allowed a home run at Pittsburgh. So he has not yet allowed a home run in in St. Louis. All of his homers have come on the road, which is which is I guess something worth watching for him. Uh, so that's one piece. But if you're not walking any, it's okay if you give up solo shots, man. He's given up five mm-hmm. home runs in his ERA is 327 because he doesn't he doesn't double down on his pain points by walking dudes and then giving up the home runs uh, on top of that. And you know, there's we've had a couple of guys that have pitched. Um, to this capacity over the years where you're like, okay, fine, you're going to give up 25 home runs, but if you're only walking 32 guys, that's fine with me. Um, I just, again, I, for those who are able to draft in late March and get this value suppressed, because he was terrible at that time of the year, um, he's just been very impressive how he is just pitching the zone. He's not blowing guys away. Uh, it's just he's the recipe simple. Get to that third pitch in that plate appearance. You get to 1-2 before the batter gets to 2-1. You're going to win more often than not. And, I mean, to your point, he's got a 39.5%. Oh, swing percentage. People really, uh, really going after the stuff outside of the zone. I do worry a bit about the amount of contact he gives up, the amount of hard contact he gives up in the zone. But mm-hmm. that's exactly what you're saying. Like, if he can get on top of guys, that's gonna be that's gonna be a big thing for him. I think we may see some some pretty harsh regression as teams start to see him multiple times. Uh, that's that would be my biggest fear. But you've got to love what you've gotten out of a guy who early on in draft season was going outside of like the top 350 uh, and even towards the end of draft season because like you said he was struggling in spring training you were still getting outside the top 300 so uh, 
you got to ride it while it's going because th- there's you're not getting anything from Miles Miklas in a trade. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about Yon Moncada. Yon Moncada was a guy that I was <laughs> I was very cautious on, especially in, in average leagues. I was a little worried that the average was going to be so bad uh, that you weren't going to get enough from from the you know home runs and stolen bases for him to have a ton of value but so far he's hitting the 264 uh and with his 13 percent walk rate he's got a 362 on base percentages six home runs four stolen bases leading off for the white Sox. how good is john moncada man he's hitting a snot out of the ball it seems like he hit a home run every game this week Every time I'm looking or, the you know, I'm getting a, something flashing up on, on my Twitter feed from the MLB barrel alert. Moncada hits something 110 miles an hour, 26-degree launch angle, home run, 585 million feet. It, it just I kept getting tweets like that and all, and all the stuff he's been doing. It's been impressive. I, I, I mentioned you know, last year I had him in Charlotte for a while. I got to see a lot of him up close, and you know, it, he would punish every fastball that he saw, uh, would have trouble adjusting to the breaking ball. Uh, and this year, some of that's still there. I mean, the, the 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 plate discipline skills have carried over. He's striking out even a little more. I mean, last year he was a 13% walk rate and a 32% strikeout rate. This year, 13% and 39%. But if you're hitting the ball like this, who cares how much you're striking? I'm of that. I know a lot of guys hate the, the lack of contact, but he's striking out 39% of the time, and he's still getting on base 36% of the time. Don't care. Uh, that's what I, I'm excited that in the White Sox are going to keep letting him play. He may become a batting average risk. Or, uh, you know, he will become a batting average risk as this 409 Babbitt goes down uh, because yeah, obviously that's going to be tough to maintain. But this is this isn't this is what you paid for. I think he was going 20 plus dollars uh, in single league auctions or close to that in the mixed league format, and you're definitely getting what you paid for so far. Yeah, I, this is people ask me all the time, like, oh, who's the one player? Or who's one of the players that you're kind of bums you didn't get? And and Yon Makata is. I have no shares of Yon Makata, and that is really Same. bumming me out. Especially because he kind of even with a bad batting average at times, that fits like right into my strategy. Like, don't worry about batting average. Go get mm-hmm. those counting numbers. Uh, and for some reason, I just didn't have him high enough in a, up in my rankings and got zero shares this year. Uh, I absolutely love what he's doing. He is just straight up murdering the ball. His hard contact percentage is almost 53 percent right now like yep just it, it's unbelievable the uh the the exit velocity numbers coming off of his bat are just ridiculous i know the strikeout rate is scary but he's actually swinging less outside of the zone this year he's just not making quite as much contact uh inside of the zone i'm not necessarily that worried obviously the average is going to come down like i said 409 babip um though i think some of that can be maintained considering how how hard he's hitting the ball right now if he continues mm-hmm. to hit the ball hard. Um, but he, he's he's probably going to hit 245. But that's like what you paid for. So right now what you're getting is a little bit gravy. So if, if he hits 245 rest of the way, we're looking at a guy that you know hits 250 for the year, that's better than we thought it could be. Oh, exactly. I, I completely agree. And it's uh, it's not like... You know, with with Tim Anderson, we kind of went through this last year, where you were gonna, you knew you were gonna get the steals, you knew you were gonna get some home runs. He was gonna play a lot, but he was really gonna hurt your batting average. Uh, I, I don't, we're not running that type of risk here. Uh, but maybe at the end of the season, we're looking at twenty twenty to 
fifty to forty like that. That's not so bad. No, and I th- I think he could with how hard he's hitting the ball right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get to twenty five home runs, do like a twenty five twenty season, two fifty two forty five average. Uh, I think that's pretty special. I I don't know how easy it would be to buy Yon Moncada right now, but I'm actually okay with buying high. You'd have to buy really high this week if somebody yeah. was watching <laughs> watching the scores. I think you, maybe you wait until the next slump a little bit, and then you buy in. For sure. All right, speaking about guys who you have to sometimes wait for the slumps or wait for the hot streaks if you want to sell, uh, we've got Matt Davidson. <laughs> oh, no, this is simple. This is simple. When Matt Davidson's playing the Royals, you, you buy him everywhere you possibly can. When he's not playing the Royals, you lay off. He's nine home runs, six of them are against Kansas City. And they've come in three games because he keeps having these multi home run games against Kansas City. And these aren't cheapy. It's not like he's like these are fence scrapers. He's hitting some absolute bombs. And it's funny. I, I, I'm kind of joking about this, but honestly, he is abs- the ownership of the of the Royals is not the Glass family or whoever it is. It is it's Matt Davidson, and he is absolutely destroying their souls this year. <laughs> I'm actually going to bring up his numbers against other teams in Major League Baseball. So uh, he's got a 237 uh, average with nine home runs uh, this year. But when you when you take out the games against the Royals this year, his average drops to 164, uh, and he's got two home runs and six RBIs. See, I told you, folks, I wasn't joking. So he's got seven home runs against the Royals. <laughs> it is it's it, honestly it, it's comical but every time you know our our listener craig will hit me up with he i forgot to turn my phone off the other night and they were playing some late game and or maybe i was tired on my phone ringing i looked and i was like oh it's craig it's got to be a davidson sure enough it was because uh, he told me to draft him i tried to draft him in doubt wars um and i i just i ran out of money but it is uh i'm trying to pull up his numbers um, oh, there it is against Kansas. At, now it's not even just Kansas. It's not even just Kansas City. It's at Kaufman. He has seven home runs, twelve RBI, a triple slash line of five thirty three, six eleven, nineteen thirty three. He's got a twenty five forty four OPS in Kaufman. Well, and the crazy thing about it is, is there is an obvious change to his uh, plate approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he is swinging outside the zone about ten percent less than he did last season. Um, his swing and strike rate is down. Uh, obviously, pitchers are afraid to go after him. 54% first uh, pitch strike rate down 7 percentage points from last year. I mean, and he's just making more contact and, and hitting the ball absolutely insanely hard. Uh, if you th- if you thought Yon Moncada's hard hit percentage was high, uh, Matt Davidson's right now 57.8% hard uh, contact percentage right now. Uh I think there is some legitimacy to what he's doing, but I mean, it's not like legitimate enough to like even be twelve or maybe even fifteen team relevant. It's hard because it, like two thirty seven, that's a killer to your batting average. His power is his power is absolutely legit. We saw last year where there was a lot of holes in his swing, and maybe that comes back. Um, but this is this is legit power. Uh, as long as he can square it up, and so far what we're, what we're seeing is that um, you know he's clearly figured out Kansas City pitching. Mm-hmm. Eight eight hits, seven home runs, and a single. 
If he puts the ball in play against them, he's crushing them. Um, everybody else so far has been able to, to neutralize him. Um, and that's, I'm sorry, that that's just the ballpark area. But yeah, everybody else has been able to neutralize him so far in single series. I mean, he's stacked it up. He's had, uh, that was the, that's really the only time everybody else, he's got three games or fewer. He's got four games against the Royals. Uh, and yeah, he's, get, he's getting that done. And uh, if you, if you look at the split winning percentage, like 500 or better teams, he's terrible. Losing teams, he's killed them. Well, I mean, luckily they're going to play some losing teams in that division. But, mm-hmm. I mean, outside of A only, I couldn't recommend uh, Matt Davidson at all. Uh, some guys I'd like Sorry, to. Craig. <laughs> some guys that uh, you, you, if you thought we were done with Ray's corner, you are incorrect. I split this one up from the Blake Snell one, just to you know throw everybody off a little bit. But uh, both Joey Wendell and Daniel Robertson have uh, been off to pretty hot starts, and I don't know if the Rays are going to be able to find consistent playing time for both of them. So I want you to give me your thoughts. First on each of them, and then who you'd rather have in fantasy? Uh, um, I'd rather have I'd rather have Wendell right now because he's going to play. Now he, I mean, they both come with their flaws, uh, especially Wendell. He's there's a rather sizable hole in his uh, in his approach where pitchers are starting to fill him with a lot of stuff down and in. If they miss that spot, that's when he's getting his hits. But if you can locate well down and in, you can get Joey Wendell out. But I think with both of these guys, um, what's nice is it's this it's this new approach with this offense. Last year, we saw them strike out a ton. And the year before, we saw them strike out a ton and not really get the the return on investment for the strikeout that other other teams got. And I mean, this this uh, the Rays were a, uh, a run away from being the lowest scoring AL team in the league. And this was, you know, this was when they had all the names they gave away this summer, or this this winter rather. So this year, it's more of a high contact. So maybe they don't have, maybe they won't have a guy hit thirty home runs, but they're also not going to have four guys that strike out one hundred and fifty plus times. And, and these two guys here do make a lot of contact, are putting the ball in play. Uh, and right now, Wendell's doing a better job of it in, in the games that I've watched. I'm not even looking at the numbers between the two of them, uh, but uh, Wendell has, has impressed in the advance. And like I said, when it comes down to uh, as long as pitchers aren't hitting that spot down and in, he's he can make them hurt. But if, if against a good pitching that can command that spot, uh, he's going to struggle. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I prefer Wendell too. One, I, I know right now like Robinson's just been hot and he is hitting the ball really really hard, but there just seems to he he's just pulling everything. And I think pitchers are going to start pitching him outside a, a bit and see see if he can actually go the other way on balls. Um, and I think he will struggle uh, at some point. Whereas Wendell's really just being a good hitter at this point. He's hitting the ball hard, not nearly as hard as Robertson, but he's actually spreading the ball all around to different parts of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he is the a little bit better of the defensive player. So, um, I know it's tough. I mean, well, the uh, Wendell's kind of limited to play. I mean, he's had to play third base when somebody got hurt, but De- uh, Robertson's a better defensive player. I mean, he's a couple of things on Robertson. Yeah, there are, he's really good at third base, and I, I would say when he's played, when he's made his mistakes that they've been at shortstop. I've seen some footwork issues. Um, there was an issue uh, in the the last time the Rays went to Boston. There was I remember there was a no, it was against Philly. It was a home game. There was a particular play where Andrew Knapp was at third base, and somebody hit a ball into the hole 
to his uh, to his arm side, and and Robertson went out there, got the ball. It was a, it was a very hard contact, one hopper, went and got it. Naps probably three steps off the bag, and they could have thrown behind him and got him into a pickle. Uh, instead, they went to first base with it and sailed it because he threw it off his back foot. Maybe it was that indecisiveness, and that run scored, and that other runner got to second base because of that same play, which should have been an easy the throw, but is at least come home um, or go ahead and. and get him to a rundown and he just made a weird decision. There was another particular play in that series, I think where he could have had just gone to second for a force out and then tried to throw it to first. I thought he was safe. They called him out and then replay upheld the call. And I thought it was a terrible call to begin with. Um, and so that, that one bailed him out, but the uh, Robertson really has, he's got the glove skills to play every day hmm. at multiple positions. All right. Uh, let's move on and uh, get away from Ray's corner for a little bit. Talk about uh, a guy who's a little bit newer to the fantasy uh, landscape, Matt Cook, spelled C-O-C-H, but it is pronounced Cook as far as I know. Uh, had his first major league start uh, filling in now that Taiwan Walker's down for the Diamondbacks. Or actually, sorry, had a second uh, major league start. Uh, so far, it's been really good. Are you picking up Matt Cook? Uh, how do you pronounce that last name? Cook. It's not Billy. Is it not Billy Koch's son? No. <laughs> I, I think that's what I thought too. And I actually looked it up. I'm like, is he related to Billy? But nope, he, he is not. All right. So I'm going to admit, never seen the guy pitch. Uh, I, I'm completely stat scoring here. But when I when I'm looking at his prospect report page on Fangraphs, I'm, I'm reading it like, hey, this looks like uh, like. Joey Lucchese's scouting report, 50 fastball, 45 slider, 40 changeup, 50 cutter, 50 command. And I remember like crapping on him. So I'll have to go watch him pitch before I can, before I can say, yeah, sure. But honestly, I, uh, he's got 32 innings in the major league level and I've never seen one pitch of those 32 innings that I can recall. Yeah. I, I, I watched a little bit of him. I, I was not super impressed. Uh, I think, you know, you're talking about the the comps to Lucchese. One, I think Lucchese's command is much better, um, and uh, I think Lucchese has better strikeout stuff. And uh, it's just, and Lucchese is he's m- much more deceptive, and and that that is what allows Lucchese to kind of get away with sometimes his you know having really no elite pitch and the fact that Lucchese's a lefty, and 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 Cook is not so. I I think this is a short-term solution for the Diamondbacks, just filling in a hole. Uh, right now, you're looking at a guy who's got a, a, a less than 7% swing strike rate. Uh, he isn't even getting a first-pitch strikes 50% of the time. Uh, I think as people start to see him more, he's going to get crushed. Almost 92% uh, zone contact percentage. This is not this is not going to end well for Matt Cook, and uh, I, I think people who are uh, rushing to the wire after his first two games to pick him up are going to get hit with uh, the the worst starts. We're talking about a guy who w- was very very good against San Diego. Mm-hmm. That, that's not it's not super impressive for me. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Walker Bueller. Uh, another good start today. Got into a bit of trouble against the Giants early on uh, through a wild pitch that cost him an earned run. Uh, but other than that, was very, very good. Uh, second start now for uh, for the uh, the Dodgers. There is a chance he gets sent back down once Rich Hill is up, but we did have Ryu get uh, hurt 
uh, the other day with a, a comebacker hitting him in the leg. So you never know if Bueller will be able to stay up or if he's going to come back up later on. What are your thoughts been so far on Walker Bueller? Man, it's been it's been nice to have. Uh, it's one hell of a two start soft landing week for him to, to have the to have the uh, the Marlins and then the Giants. That's that's beautiful. Hey. Um, Say sorry. Not all of our teams could score. Remember when you called the Rays garbage? Um, sorry, they're winning a lot right now and scoring runs. So shut up. Uh, <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> Believe me, I am absolutely am. Uh, but that's that's a nice soft landing spot. I think it's you have to worry about how deep he's going to go. Like he went five. I didn't, how how many innings did he go today? I know he went, he went five, five in the opener. So I mean, if he's going to five and dive, he's got to have the run support. He didn't get it yesterday. He got, I mean, he didn't get it Monday. He definitely got it today. So that was that was helpful. And by the way, Chris Stratton, what the guy probably had like an hour of sleep. Didn't he have a newborn this week? Is that why he was out after he after mm-hmm. he shut down the Nationals? Um, yeah, he so, was on paternity leave. Was activated today. Uh, yeah, and like you know, I I, I got some much deserved heat on, on Chris Stratton today. Um, and like, and don't get me wrong, like you know, yeah, it sucked. Here's one of the things that people are going to have to look at with Chris Stratton, especially if you're playing DFS or you're playing in daily moves leagues. Do not, do not, do not start Chris Stratton when Buster Posey is not catching. There you go. Because Buster Posey is a fantastic framer, and he really helps uh, Stratton get those corner calls. So yeah, and and, and, and he's uh, not Hundley getting is, Hundley is not. <laughs> no, Hundley is not at all. Uh, and I mean, you could tell there's a huge difference uh, with with when when Posey is calling a game, when he's catching the game, uh, and just with the amount of calls he's getting on the outside. I mean, we see Buster Posey give him an extra, you know, two strikeouts a game, and that gets him out of innings quicker. And he would have been out of in, uh, you know the 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 first inning faster and the second inning at all today had Buster Posey been catching. So in, in weekly moves leagues, it's going to be harder to know when that's going to happen. Uh, but in your daily moves leagues and DFS, check the lineup before you, you just let him roll out there because th- that's going to be a huge difference for, for Chris Stratton. Uh, as far as Walker Bueller is uh, going, um, I've watched all of his starts this year at the major leagues, partially because uh, I really like the kid and partially because he's uh, uh, pitched against the Giants <laughs> uh, uh, quite a bit this year already. So, um I'm I'm super impressed with the kid. Now he's got a little bit of control problems, especially with a curveball, uh, and you know that the the control on that curveball can uh, elude him very easily. But when it's on and he's on, and he was at different parts of this game today, he is something special. Through five innings, struck out six. Um, you know, like I said, gave up gave up the two uh, earned runs. One of them was because he threw a wild pitch just underneath Austin Barnes. Uh, Oops. <laughs> you know, and it's like one of those things where, like I said, you know, the curveball, he just lost control on it, and it just dove into the dirt, and Barnes did everything he could to try to try to block it, and he just couldn't get to it. But, um, you know, it is what it is, and I just think if you're in a keeper league, I think this is a guy you got to go out and try to get because I think he is going to take a step forward at some point. When he can start going six, seven innings, um, he is going to be a very, very dangerous pitcher in the major leagues. And this is always your reminder that you also should not be so married to the guy that you you start declining every trade offer that comes across. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, he's great. Always be willing to listen. Always. I mean, I'm still kicking myself for like pretty much auto declining every Denelson Lamette trade offer that I got this <laughs> this spring. Uh, and I, 
and it wasn't that I was married to it was just that I was I believed in him that much I'm like yeah like he's he was looking good early on closed away closed out the year he's gonna add the change up no 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 I gotta see how this plays out but don't be so married to a pitching prospect that you don't you're not even willing to listen to trade offers you always need to be willing hell put them out on the block if you're on CBS hey looking for this see what comes across the board uh, especially here after this uh, after he looked today. Well, and I think like for some some people too, like if pitching prospects don't come up quickly and start right away, um, people forget about them a little bit. I mean, I remember this happened with Garrett Richards when Garrett Richards came up. Like people forgot that Garrett Richards was one of the top pitching prospects in in baseball for a while, and then you know he didn't come up, or you know for a while didn't succeed right away, um, and you know, and then all of a sudden he's got no price tag associated with him in dynasty and keeper formats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's okay to go, kind of go back, go look and see what, you know, the Tyler Glass nows of the world, you know, are doing in AAA and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he, the, he could be the next guy that people have kind of given up on or forgotten about. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of other, other examples of guys, you know, Mitch Keller is another one who, uh, I don't think there's nearly as much hype around him as there was because we've been waiting forever for him. That's right. All right, let's uh, let's finish off with a conversation about Ender Inciarte. Uh, stole two more bases today. Uh, he's uh, quietly putting together a pretty nice season. The Braves bringing up uh, Ronald Acuna, have Ozzy Albies. They're putting together a pretty nice offense to hit behind Ender. Ender. What are your thoughts on Ender Inciarte? I mean, the, he's already got 12 steals this year. He had 22 all of last year. Uh, and so he's clearly on the move. And the crazy thing is usually when you see a, a guy jump this much in stolen bases, your first thought is like, hey, who's the new manager? No, same manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what's, that's what's, what's cool about it. But the thing, and NCRT is another one of these guys that this podcast has loved uh, and we've talked about his ability just to be a nice table setter, his, his excellent ability to get on base. Yeah, that the staying healthy has been problematic for him. I mean, last year was really the first year he had he has been able to avoid the disabled list. But and the funny thing is that this year he's stealing all his bases despite not getting on base. I mean, his on-base average coming in today was 304, and he's always been a 340, 350 on-base percentage guy. And this year, it's, it's really been the, the suppressed... Uh, he's not so he's striking a tad more, not much more. Walk rate's still the same. He's just not getting the same frequency of hits. Uh, but he's also not hitting for power. I mean, last year, 11 homers. This year, hasn't hit one. So he's been on first base more. He's had more opportunities to run, and he is running. And that's that, that's a beautiful thing. And because you didn't, when you were able to draft him this year, uh, there wasn't much going in his direction. People kept the projections were going to regress him quite a bit because of the games played the last the seasons before in, in fifteen and sixteen. Uh, I think he was projected for eighteen, maybe twenty steals, uh, and he's already coming into today fourteen runs, ten steals. Again, stole two more. I didn't look to see if he had scored those runs, but it just really jumps out to me how a couple of teams are are running more. I mean, uh, the Nationals under Davey Martinez. There's an example of a new manager bringing in a new strategy uh, and they're running more but the Braves you know they didn't they weren't running this much last year I'm looking at a total of 118 stolen uh yeah no sorry 108 108 stolen base attempts they're already at 31 already uh, a month into the season so they're pacing well ahead of where they were last year this roster's gotten younger uh, it's gotten faster 
and uh, we could see we could see them uh, coming up with a, a lot more steals. So, uh, but again, getting back to my point earlier, don't all of a sudden think Enciarte is going to be this sixty steal guy. And oh, I can't trade this guy. I mean, you drafted him for twenty steals at max. He's already got twelve. That's uh, on pace. You he would have had three coming in right now. So you've earned quite a bit of profit. Find somebody who's really hurting for steals um, because there's no way NCRT is stealing. I'm saying this now, and maybe it'll we'll co- come back to haunt me. There's no way he's stealing 40 bases this year. He's already got 12. See what you can move him for now. And I think I would because I don't love the underlying numbers. Swinging outside the zone 37% of the time. Uh, swinging strike rate almost uh, is, uh, un- is about 7% up a little bit from last year. The contact rate is down at- – and these are all negligible, you know, they're they're small difference, negligible numbers maybe, but I don't know. I just I think if you can get a guy that I don't know if if you could maybe get some power, get some pitching for Inciarte, strikeout rate is up right now. I think I would move him. Yeah, when a guy's pacing this far ahead of what you projected for him. You have to you have to listen, take advantage of somebody. Maybe go talk to the guy who has Jose Altuve, who mm-hmm. was drafting Jose Altuve for man. He's going to steal thirty five, forty bags. Uh, yeah, this is it's going to happen. This is going to happen for me. And then Altuve is slow out of the blocks. And the thing is with Altuve, it, it, it seemed to be a, a conscious decision because it's not. If you go to the baseball, go to Baseball Reference and look at uh, there's a, a stat called stolen base opportunity, which is a ba- which is essentially when when you're on first or second and the base ahead of you is open. When I looked at this a week ago, uh, a week ago Sunday, Jose Altuve had attempted stu- two stolen bases, had been caught by a mile stealing second, but then had stolen third cleanly. Those were his only two attempts this year, and right now he is one for two, and he's still that way. He's still one for two on the season, and we're at, we're 119 plate appearances in. He's not he's not running, and it's not like he's not getting on base. He's on base on a 40 percent clip this year. Maybe something's not right there, but this is hopefully in your league. You don't have both Enciarte and Altuve, but if you did. This is the kind of panic I, I will be trying to take advantage of to see what you can get from that Altuve owner because most most likely they built their team around Altuve as their speed anchor. A month in, one steal, that team's got to be freaking out a little bit. I completely agree. Uh, let's let's talk one more guy you just added to the to the rundown. Uh, Matt Carpenter not hitting for power. People uh, starting to freak out a little bit. Uh, you were very, uh, very vocal about Matt Carpenter coming into the season. What are your thoughts on Matt Carpenter now? So I'm going to make a joke, and I, I put this down because Paul told us to bring it up. Paul said people were hitting him up in, in our chat, uh, in his chat the other day, about where's Matt Carpenter's power? Oh, my God. And I, I want to say thank you uh, to those people who actually listen to this podcast and not just do the old 06010 and download it and not listen. The old joke that Matthew Barry always used to drop because I don't know how much. We talked way too much about this subject over the winter, and every time we talked about shoulder issue, I said, nope, avoid Matt Carpenter. It's going to be a problem guys that are coming off of shoulder problems and he didn't have remember he didn't have surgery on the shoulder problem he decided oh i'm good i don't need to have surgery to fix this and i said it back then red flag for me no thanks pass pass hard 
and I, I'm still in that same boat. He's got two home runs uh, here as 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 we're getting into May almost. Uh, yeah, the strikeout rate is up. He's walking a lot. Uh, it, it looks, but the batting average is not there. The power definitely. I mean, he's got a 299 slugging. Uh, the ISO is down at a, at a 130. The last time he had an ISO like that was back in 2014. That was before the, That was the season before. Jake Arrieta challenged him to hit 30 home runs or 20. What was it? 20 home runs, and I'll buy you a golf cart. Which pitcher was doing that? I forgot. Maybe it was I Jake don't know, Arrieta. but I love this story. <laughs> no, somebody there was a, there was a pitcher, or maybe I'm a confusing player, but I swear there was a there was a Cardinals pitcher that challenged that challenged Matt Carpenter to hit 25 homers, and if he did, he would buy him a golf cart because they were both they were both um, uh, players at Texas Christian University, and I'm just I thought it was Jake. I'm probably confusing. Um, I got to look this up now because it's driving me nuts. Uh, but I remember that was that was part of the bet because he went out. He went from eight to twenty-eight home runs, and uh, Matt, oh, Wainwright. It was Adam Wainwright. Mm. Um, that's what it was. Uh, I should have known teammate. Yeah, that was it. So I'm looking at a picture of it right now. But that was that was their thing. So um, yeah, I not I was not a I was not a fan of him coming into the season. Uh, when you have a shoulder problem, you don't have it surgically corrected. Um, the, shoulder problems are a red flag for me. Shoulder problems without surgical correction are an even bigger red flag for me uh, because those things don't tend to go away. They eventually need them. Um, I only speak from experience as a guy who has had three shoulder surgeries in the last 15 years. And even the one I did have surgery on most recently still feels like crap. So that's <laughs> why I was down on him. It's why I'm still down on him. Uh, if, if you have him and you're like, oh, he's going to turn it around because he's hit 20 home runs each of the past three seasons. Um, you need to make alternative plans. Okay. Would you drop him in a 15-team league? Uh, that would have to be – I need context of like who who's available in that type of format to make that decision. I don't know if um, – Let me go you know. to my Invitational League and tell you who's on the waiver wire. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, players on the waiver wire in the Fantasy Baseball Invitational League. Would you pick up C.J. Cron? Yes. Uh, would you pick up? When I love how they just don't give me hitters. Um... I'd absolutely pick up CJ Cron. CJ stands for crush job, and it's not just because he plays for Tampa Bay. He's really hitting the ball well of late. Okay. Would you pick up uh, uh, Mark Canha? Yeah, I'd pick up Mark Canha right now too. Uh, would you pick up Dixon Machado? No. Okay. Uh, Unless your league counted doubles. Let's uh, let's move <laughs> to NL only. Would you pick up Carlos Asuaje? Mm, no, because the playing time is getting really crowded out there. Okay, so you wouldn't drop As a him whole, for uh, a Matt team. Adams. Oh man, you know what? Yeah, I would drop him for Matt Adams. I'm a Matt uh, Adams sucker. I, I, I really because I mean he's really good against righties, and he's only Ryan Zimmerman hamstring from taking a full time job over. In fact, I have him. I have him in my Invitational League on the bench, and I refuse to cut him because <laughs> just waiting for the Ryan Zimmerman injury to it's gonna mm-hmm. come up. No, I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I would probably keep him in NL only uh, or Matt Carpenter in NL only over Matt Adams, but. That's we're kind of getting to that point. You know, this is a guy who not only isn't hitting for power, he's just not hitting at all. One sixty nine uh, average right now, three twenty on base percentages, only buoyed up by an almost nineteen percent walk rate. 
So, I mean, this is th- these are not good signs for for Matt Carpenter. Uh, I, you know, we we talk about all the time, you, you know, and I think I mentioned this with Paul in on the last episode is we hear all the time, oh, you, you gotta, you know, buy low, sell high. Sometimes it's okay to sell low. Yeah, it, it, I mean, when you look across the board again, the ISO ISO is is down. Um, you know, we, we know that the, the problem was there. There's a lot of indicators. That, so if you if you're trying to buy low, you have to figure out where the high is going to come from. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the that you can go dig into Statcast. I'm not going to kill airtime here uh, to go look at that, but I'm I'm guessing his Statcast data mm-hmm. shows it that it's it's not looking good either. I mean, at least with Ryan Zimmerman, and that's something I wrote up two weeks ago uh, when I was trying to buy Ryan Zimmerman. The numbers look good, but if you w- it looked bad. But if you went in the Statcast and looked at his batted ball data and saw where his hard his solid contact and his barrels, you could see that he was. And then you looked at his expected weighted on base average. You could say, okay, yeah, there's there's definitely some upside here. Uh, you know that's that's where that's where you really should start your work there is is go and look and and look at that number. But if you've got to dig that hard to find something positive, it, it, there's just nothing positive about it. Yeah, I mean, right now his contact percentage is down thirteen and a half percent. He's currently got a sixty nine percent on contact percentage, and as nice as that number is. <laughs> that that one was for Paul. Um, that's uh, it's not the kind of the stuff we're looking for. Hard contact percentage is down. Exit velocity is down. Uh, there's not much to really grasp onto w- with Matt Carpenter. And so, if there's someone out there that is willing to try to buy buy low on you, uh, I would be more than happy selling for fifty cents on the dollar. Every league is a Cardinal fan. That's where I would start. Mm-hmm. Um. To see what's going on there, I was trying to look for. Um, oh, I want to pull up his data now. Um, now, now that I've said I didn't want to pull it up, I really want to take a look at it before I make a final. Oh, you definitely should cut off. But I, I would just want to see what the expected weighted on base average. And of course, baseball savant now wants to hang up on me and doesn't want to give me love. No. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I am. I'm still saying no thanks. I want to pull up now. I'm going to look at a circular graph, and that too doesn't want to come up. Oh well, screw it. Dump Matt Carpenter. I gave you enough guys. <laughs> the, the troubles are still there. It's it's. I, I if if he comes back and has a better season, come back and shove it in my face later. I'm more I'm more more than willing. You know me. I, I will I will own up to my mistakes. Um, if I gave you bad advice, but I'm telling you here, this is this is solid advice grounded in personal experience with shoulder problems. Uh, avoid like avoid like the clap. Oh. I mean, I'm like so. I'm looking. Let me scroll up because a lot of it. Uh, a lot of his stuff is uh, weighted on base. Yeah, here's the thing: his weighted on base average right now is 400 because of all the stinking walks. Mm-hmm. But his expect his his weighted on his expected weighted on base average 279. Yeah. So his best. You know what this you know, actually? You know where this really sounds a lot like Brad Miller last year. Brad Miller 2016 had the 30 home runs. Came into 2017, wasn't hitting for power, was walking a ton, but wasn't hitting for power. And then we found out he had that core, uh, the core muscle problem, uh, not the groin, but the core muscle. And he was in and off the disabled list with that. Uh, and so he realized, you know, the best chance I have to get on bases is walking. And then now you look at Matt Carpenter, walk rates way up, still striking out, not hitting for power. This 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 path was blazed for him by Brad Miller, different type of injury but similar type of situation. It reminds me of last year, Marcus Simeon before he went on the DL. Remember when Marcus Simeon, all of a sudden Marcus Simeon started walking? Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, and he'd never been a, a big walk guy, you know, six, seven percent kind of walk guy. And all of a sudden in April last year, he was walking 21.7 percent of the time and he was hitting 171, but at a 370 on base percentage. And there was like no power. It's because he was hurt. like, hey, where'd that come from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was he, he was so hurt. He didn't want to swing the bat. Yeah. So you have to keep looking at that. Uh, and I, I mean, I know it's tough to give up on a name like that, but. You know, it's it's not looking good. And when I look at, I'm pulling up his radial chart. Uh, we look at, well, the contact's a little better than that. I'm just looking at eight barrels, seven solid contacts. Um, eight barrels, and only three of them have gone for hits. Five of them have gone for outs. The, the, the solid contact kind of pops into that boat. Um, some of the, con- well, the radial chart looks a little better than I would expect, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um that said, I'm still concerned that he's getting those barrels, but they're just not going to... The, the reason why I hate shoulder injuries so much is because it impacts your extension on a swing. I mean, you you can make your contact, but it's about how you finish your swing. And if that, as you... I mean, just as, as you're listening to this, try to do your natural swing and then take your lead arm and try to lift it out as you were holding a bat and, and trying to finish your swing. You know, when I do that, I'm already feeling my left shoulder barking at me as I get to about the 45-degree angle and trying that out because that's the one I had the most recent surgery on. But it's that that what doesn't allow you to get that, that finish on your swing, and that's part of getting the ball further. Uh, and if that's where, with Matt Carpenter, it, it and it, I believe it's his throwing shoulder, so it is. It's his right shoulder, which would be his front shoulder on his swing as well. Because I'm doing my imaginary swing as a right-handed hitter, his would be from the same same thing. So uh, I'm going to be in camp pessimistic on this one. Uh, if I'm wrong, come back and shove it in my face later. Oh, they will. Don't worry. <laughs> that's going to wrap us up. Well, that's assuming that's assuming they're listening to this, though. You know? Yeah. Well, okay. once they heard Paul wasn't on, they they were totally out. <laughs> got anything uh cool coming up jason uh hopefully tomorrow i'm gonna be in a suite at fenway to watch the rays sweep the red Sox. um outside of coolness i may have i may get to go to two games next week and uh, we'll see what happens on wednesday while i'm up there uh, i gotta be in boston all week so that's the coolest part for me i'm not going to hawaii uh, paul's not paying for a trip to hawaii for my wife and i like he is for you uh, you gotta um, beat him in tower wars I got to play head to head, and I don't know if I'm willing to make that that kind of sacrifice. You know how much I hate head to head. I do too, but I. I... <laughs> <laughs> but it is profiting. It is it is profiting a Hawaii trip for you. So right, exactly. Uh, have fun. Have fun. Take pictures. I definitely will. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. 
Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. 